All right, let's begin this morning. Thank you for coming to the chapel. Amen. It might be hot on the outside, but it's hot on the inside. Ow! Remember, we're in the uh, whole year. We're talking about the blessing of God on us. Did anybody remember that beside me? Hello? (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. We've been talking about the blessed life and how God has blessed us in order to what? To be a blessing. Not just, you know, be the Dead Sea and let everything stop with us. But blessed to be a blessing. And I hope that you're looking for opportunities to bless somebody in your life. Uh, Have you noticed that we live in a culture that is just not familiar with that? So if you try to bless somebody without getting anything back, sometimes they go, come on, what's the gimmick? What what are you trying to... And let me tell you, after they realize how much you, again, are loving them, they realize that they need God in their life. That's you as being a blessing. Remember, we've talked about before, if you went up to a non-believer and asked them, is there something that I can pray with you about? Usually the top three prayer requests that I've found in my life that I've asked somebody and they've you know, said, yeah, you could pray for me about relationships. Maybe that's their mother, maybe the father, maybe their boss, maybe their husband, wife, whatever. Relationships. The second thing is finances. Can, can you pray for me? I, I don't have enough money to pay my bills, whatever. I'd like to make more money in my life. Whatever. Finances is a big thing that we need in our life. How many knows that uh, people talk about money is evil? It's what you do with money. If you don't have an air condition in Texas this time of year, it's evil. You got some money, you can call the repairman to come out and fix it. Uh, Finances. The third thing is what? Health. Our health, if you suffer in body, please, can you pray with me about this? Can you pray with me about that? Or somebody in your life that needs healing in their body. When we're talking about words and the power of our words, everything that we're saying in these next few weeks, again, applies to our life as believers that we're anointed to solve the problem. Well, Pastor, I I don't have all the answers. You know somebody that does. It got quiet. Let me tell you who knows all the answers, and that is Jesus. That's why we sang that song. We confessed it out of our mouth. I speak Jesus. And so I want you to listen and wait in to today's message. Gwen is going to come and present it. Listen to this. Let's give her a hand. Well, thank you. Some of you were here last week, and you came back. Glad you're here today. We're going to continue our series. Um, John was talking about how we started at the first of the year, and we've just kind of uh, followed the Lord and his leading. You know, in, in our churches, we believe that God gives direction, right? He gives direction to the pastoral staff. He gives direction to you personally. He speaks to you personally. And so we want to follow his lead. And in that leading, there's answers to questions in our lives. So I ask you today, what's your major obstacle? What did you come in today with that maybe is just weighing you down? 
there's some, something that you would just like to uh, eliminate, maybe a barrier in your life. Maybe you would like advancement in your life. That's okay. Maybe you just want to go to a new place in your, in your career. All of those things are good. God has a plan for you, and he wants to reveal that to you today in his uh, word through the preaching of the word. And so it's, it's a joy for me to be able to share with you today. Let's pray and just open our hearts. I just ask that you, as I pray, if you would just personally offer to the Lord maybe your own request. Lord, you know, she said we'd find answers to questions. Here's my big question. Here's something I need uh, change in in my life. If you'll just make that a personal prayer, then you believe that God's going to show you that. Here's the thing. He may show you something as I'm preaching today, or it could be that when we're closing uh, the prayer time, it could be you've already gotten your answer. You got your answer. You were up here today praying, and maybe the person that prayed with you didn't give you the answer, but something happened on the inside. Something clicked. You knew something you didn't know before. That's God speaking to you. It might feel natural now. Well, you know what? Something dawned on me. The Holy Spirit spoke to you. And so as we pray, you bring those things to him. Lord, I want answers to this or that. Show me what's next. It could be that I speak today and something shifts in your heart, but you really don't know that uh, you have an answer yet. That's okay. You step out of this and then you go home and you're going to pray and read your Bible and continue to follow the Lord. And it could be Tuesday. It could be uh, Friday. It could be when that sometimes we don't need the answer right now. It could just boggle our minds if the Lord showed us the answer to something that we need in two months right now. So trust him as you pray with me today and ask him for breakthrough and answers in your own life. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word. I thank you, Lord, for this church that you established. You have a plan and a purpose for each person in the room, each person under the sound of my voice. So, Lord, I just pray that answers would come, that breakthrough would come, that there would be a sense of peace, direction. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So, we've been... Uh, talking specifically, John mentioned talking about the blessing and how God is operating. He's a God of blessing. You know, uh, Jesus said that he came to preach the good news to the poor. That's the gospel message. If it's not good, then it's not the gospel. You just keep looking until you get the good news. There'll be good news behind it. Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. Well, what would the good news to the poor be? Be healed? No. What would good news to the poor be? Well, you, you know, You'll be all right. You can endure this poverty. No, the good news to the poor is you can be rich. Your needs can be met. You can live a prosperous life. The Bible is so much more practical than some religious folk even believe. Some of the things we're going to talk about today, there's a difference between what God says and what the world around us says and what many people are hearing today sitting in churches across America. There are many thought patterns out there in religious circles that dumb down the gospel until it's not good news anymore. It's overbearing, it's exhausting, and sad. If you're not in a place of victory and joy today, and that doesn't mean your problems all have to be worked out. You don't have to have everything worked out before you have joy. But if you're not in a place of joy, you know what? We've got to really get to that place because we're not a good witness for the things of God. His things are the best things. Living life for him is the best way to live. 
And so what we're talking about today is foundational in order for our lives to be good, to be blessed, and for the gospel message to actually be lived out in our own lives. So um, today I want you to look at Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. Last week we began, um, actually I guess it was two or three weeks ago, John began talking about the power of our words. And then last week, you can go back and listen online. Um, so we have podcasts, you can you know, download the, the podcast or you can go to our website and click the link and listen to the past sermons that John began speaking on the power of the spoken word. Again, many Christians sitting in church circles today are pleased with the fact that God has a a word of power, that he created things by the power of his word. But they're not too comfortable with you and I having power, and maybe you're not. You and I having power in our spoken word. Today I want you to leave, that's my goal, for you to leave with all of that debunked in your life. If you felt before that your words held no power and what you say doesn't really matter, then hopefully today you'll see a difference in scripture. I plan to prove it to you by, your word, by the word of God, not by my life. I have some great things. I have some testimonies, but that's not what I'm preaching. I'm not preaching me. I'm going to look into the word. And you know, the way that you and I know truths and principles in God's word, it'll be in there one, two, or three times. That's how we find biblical scriptures. You know, Job said, well, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That was his thoughts. It was not what God said to him. Job, I give and I take away. We have to be able to look in the Word and decide, okay, where is, is a, a principle that is being taught? And how do we do that in Scripture? Because God gave us some really great examples. Some of them are negative on what not to do. Aren't you glad God did that? In His wisdom, are not you and I glad that He gave some examples of failure and things not to do? And then He shows a redemption thread through the line of Scripture, even in those lives. And then he shows some great examples on what to do. Wow, what an exciting thing to think about the next time I open my Bible. I'm looking for a thread. I'm looking for a thought, something he wants me to know that will change my life, something that I can emulate from the good examples. Others that I want to look at, I don't want to say what Job said. Well, Lord, sometimes you're good. Sometimes you're not. I'm not really sure. It's really scary to think about. I don't want to come up with all of that. You know, oftentimes people will say, well, I have a right to my own beliefs. You don't if you're Savior and Lord, and, and Jesus is your Savior and Lord. If he's your Savior and Lord, then you have to agree with what he says, right? And you, if you're thinking, well, you know, I like, I like the fact that I can think what I want to think. Well, then Jesus is not your Lord. And you can. Actually, the human right, Jesus gives us the right to think, and, and God gave us that God-given right to think on our own and believe what we want to believe. But your life's not going to be successful, and your eternity is not secure. So what we want to do is line ourselves up with what he says every single time and watch things change in our life. You know, today as we talk about the power of the spoken word, oftentimes um, people will say, I just don't believe in that. That's all fanatical. When people talk about speaking to things, and John referenced a passage in Luke that made me think about when Jesus spoke to the storm, you know, he spoke to the storm, he said, peace. So he spoke what he wanted, he spoke the change. Oftentimes people will say, well, that was Jesus. What does that have to do with me? He put aside his mighty weight and glory. When he came to the earth and he 
operated as a man. So see, when you and I read the scripture and we see how Jesus lived, he's our example. I know it's a tall order, but we want to renew our mindset back and get better and better year after year. Are you in a different place than you were three years ago in Jesus? Are you in a different place in your level of faith, believing him for things that you didn't believe him for or never thought you would be able to access, and now it's stirring in your heart? That's the goal. That's where we want to be, ever growing and moving toward amazing things that he has for us, no matter your age bracket. If you are retired, if you are well past retirement age, as long as you are drawing breath today, God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. You still need to declare the word over your city, over your nation, over your family. The power of his word in your mouth is so important. And that never ages out. You don't age out on those things. You only get sweeter and better. You and I want to get better and better and better. You know, in the world's way of thinking, um, as people get older, they're not as useful anymore. Isn't that right? In our, in our world, in the way they think, we just age out. We're not valuable anymore. That is not what we see in Scripture. Our spirits, who you are on the inside, who God created you to be, the part of you that is created in the image, the express image of God, gets better and better and stronger. Your prayers as you age ought to be more and more effective. They can be effective when you're young too. So when we're talking about the power of our words, people would not argue. You wouldn't even think of that odd, the way that it works in the negative. You might hear your neighbor out there and he's trying to start his mower. So the mower didn't get started and nothing cranks and he's cussing. You wouldn't even look twice and think, there he goes. He's talking to his mower, ladies and gentlemen. But in the negative, nobody thinks anything about it. Projecting the economy. Well, it looks like, according to our projections, and what we see, and we've, we've actually studied some of the economic trends of the past, and this is what we see coming. How do they know? How do they know what's going to, to change or, or what could change? See, if it's working in the negative, we're just like, yeah. But if a newscaster got on there and said, what I see in the future is bright. What I see in our economy are needs met. We would be like, that guy's crazy. So see, we accept it in the negative. We accept it when that car doesn't start for you to get out and start kicking the tires. You blasted thing. We expect all of that. Nobody thinks anything strange about it. For you to bless your car and say, I declare you have many trouble-free miles. You will be a blessing, and I will even sow you as a seed. People are like, woo. See, it works in the negative, doesn't it? And we we understand that, um, that we don't really think twice about that. I want you and I to go against the grain and expect that our bank accounts be filled so that we can be a blessing, we can pay our bills, and be honest um, citizens so that we can see difference in our lives. So let's look at Isaiah 55 and get some ground, um, some grounding for what we believe about declaring his word. Isaiah 55 says this again, today as we encounter scripture, if you think, wow, that's way too big. I've never seen anything like that before. If, If your mind has not been blown by the scripture lately, I hope it happens today. It happened for me years ago and I have never gotten over it. 
But as we look at Isaiah 55, it's just a little bit, if it's stretching for you, that's okay. Jot it down. Take a picture of it. Put it in your phone and go back and look at it and review it and review it. In meditation lies the power of what we're talking about with our words. The meditation. Oftentimes when we get to a place and we're thinking about, well, you know, I don't really have faith in the words that I speak out my mouth. If it is scripture, you know, I don't really have faith or we're looking for some feeling. Don't worry about the feeling. Don't worry about the feeling. The power is in the word itself. And that's what I want you to see in Isaiah 55. Let's read. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Who's speaking here? The Lord is speaking. His thoughts are different than our thoughts. You know, words are containers of thought. Today, you arrived in your vehicle. At one time, that vehicle was a thought in someone's brain. And then it became a factory. And then it became a show line of cars, and you drove in today. Somebody first thought that up. What creative power God has given us. Verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen, here's the invitation. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word. Read that out loud with me. So is my word. Let's keep going out loud. That goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God invites us. He's inviting you and me to put his words, his thoughts in our mind, in our mouths, and bring change. Wow, that's amazing. You know, Ephesians 5 says, be imitators of God. Again, sometimes you'll get the flack for that if you actually uh, try to think. Really, to think like God, you just need to read your Bible a line or two. Think about it. Think about your thinking like God. To think and talk like he talks. That's where the power is. You know, I think nothing about my little grandsons that are two years old when they go around copying their daddies. It's the cutest thing. And they actually, the daddies actually love it. We just think it's adorable. When you imitate your father and you speak his words and try to talk and think like he thinks, he is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. It takes great faith to do that in the middle of definite circumstances, things that are going negative, things that are south in your life. But we can imitate God by putting his words in our mouth. Also, the thing I like about this, let's look at verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. Who's talking again? God is talking. It will not return to me. It's talking about prayer. Prayer and also declaring the word. Those are two different things. You can pray, you know, just fellowship with God. And then you can declare his word. And that's what Jesus did when he spoke peace. He didn't stop and pray. Oh, God. Oh, God, we ask that you'd calm this storm. He spoke to it. Another place in Scripture we, we see where uh, Peter's mother was ill. She had a fever. Jesus came into the room, and the Bible says this. He spoke to the fever. I don't know what that would have been like, something like this. Fever, get out of here. Fever, you have to go. 
He did that by way of our example. The one thing that Jesus did not do by way of our example, but as our substitute was down the cross. So he was our substitute in that. The other things, uh, other than his death and resurrection, were um, by our example. All right, so let's go a little further in Scripture here. What if you could use your words to change some things? What if you could use your words to change that thing that we were talking about earlier that's just been bothering you? Do you think the same power that God used to say, let there be light, that creative power, do you think that same power, his same, his words could change things in your life? It only stands to reason, logically, that the things that were created by his word can also be fulfilled and blessed by his word. I want to go back to a scripture that we looked at last week in Hebrews 1.3. This is in the Amplified Bible, and it says this. He is the sole expression, he being Jesus, of the glory of God, the light being the outraying radiance of the divine, and he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. Look at this. It says upholding. We're talking about Jesus. And Jesus is the word, and we access Jesus by relationship, and we can access his words by looking in scripture. He upholds and maintains, guides and propels the universe by his mighty word of power. How does his word get released in the earth now that Jesus is not here? Through spirit-filled believers that dare to speak that, that word out their mouths. That's how his word gets released. I want to talk a little bit about the mouth and the mind connection. You know, there's such, it it can be really um, trying. Maybe you've been in situations where you wanted change, you wanted things to change, but to find a scripture and to declare it over your life, maybe there's a little bit of tension in that. That's not by accident. That's supernatural help from the enemy. He does not want you speaking change, making change in your life or anyone else's. But oftentimes there can be a little bit of tension in that because we feel awkward, we feel strange. I challenge you, if that's where you are and you're thinking, Gwen, this is so far beyond where I think I could be. You know, I just, day in, day out, I just kind of molly grub around. <laughs> if that's you, I just call myself a pessimist or I'm, I'm just one of those realists or, you know, we grew up, a bunch of worries are in our family and we just talk all this worry and it's just, it's just my go-to. If that's you, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the, the mind and the mouth connection. There's a time to speak and there's a time to build our faith. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Hearing and hearing. Empty seats today that may represent people that only come on Christmas and Easter. And they may actually, you know, we may actually see them in heaven. Hey, there you are. I saw you last Christmas. And so we, we may see them and, and they're going with us. But their day in, day out is a real, real struggle and not living in any victory in their lives. It takes hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God to live and walk this out. That's why you and I want to make sure that what are we doing, the the real power in our lives, everybody, is what's happening from Monday to Saturday in your life. And there are too many great avenues of word teaching out there for any of us to have us any excuse. We can go back and listen to John's sermons from months ago. We can listen to other Bible-based teachings that teach faith and strength and just grow up in him and be so strong and think differently than the world around us, think differently than we thought in the past. It's extremely important that we recognize the mind-mouth connection. 
Um, I want to look at a, a passage in uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13. It says this. It's just a quick uh, portion. It says, we believe and therefore we speak. That, that tells us about the mind-mouth connection. What we believe is what we speak. That's the way God wired you. That's the way God wired you. So we want to make sure that we're always guarding our thoughts and being aware of what we're thinking. John 6, 63, Jesus said this. Most of my passages are from the NIV version. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. What's the flesh? Just you, the, the un, unreborn you, just your natural you. Okay? The only thing that you and I have to do to live and walk according to the flesh is get up out of bed in the morning. That's it. There goes the flesh. We have to actually do something different to live and walk according to the spirit. And that's where the excitement and that's where success in life comes from. It says, Jesus said this, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. So Jesus differentiates between spirit words and flesh words. We, last week, we talked about the power to bless, and we even mentioned how you can actually curse things in your life. That there's a power in that. It's an unseen realm, and so people can kind of spooked out about it. But it's spiritual, and it's just the way things are designed. It's the way God designed them. So Jesus said, my words are spirit. And I believe it's the New King, or the King James Version. It says that my spirit quickens. That means gives life or adds life. Think about that. We might just be thinking, maybe you've read that before, and you think in the line of salvation. Oh, he's given me eternal life. Yes, it's more than that. Think about if we were to go down to the hospital just a few blocks down the road, and we go inside and we see a couple of people on life support. They're alive, but there's not the energy. There's not, they're not doing uh, well. They're not living life in an effective way. So Jesus said, my words are spirit. That's what you and I want to talk about a little bit. Spirit words that bring life, add life to us first and to the world around us. So maybe you're in a place where like, ah, just, you know, I don't have the, the confidence to release my faith to speak his word. Go back to the meditation. Meditate, meditate, think about. Meditation means to murmur, mutter, speak, or whisper. Not just mull over in your head. Murmur, mutter, speak, or whisper. That's meditation. How are you doing in your meditation time? I'm telling you, ladies, it gets me excited to think about this. You can turn things around, whatever's been bugging you. I'm telling you, this can be a quick answer. Even if your circumstances don't change, it changes on the inside, and you see it differently. You feel better about it, and you're confident that change is coming. You're confident that God knows where you are, and he's directing your path and moving you in a place of victory. That comes through the power of meditation. We don't just go off as Christians half-cocked and just start deciding, you know, I'm going to declare this scripture. And Miss Gwen said, declare the scripture, and so here I go. And you just start declaring scripture. Meditation and preparing yourself your mind first before you open your mouth to release power there is greatness in that such goodness in that otherwise the enemy can come against you and he'll say you don't believe all that and in your heart you're, you know it's true but you can actually train your mind you can believe what you want to believe you know 
You can believe what you want to believe. A lot of people are under the influence of uh, pagan teaching today, and they actually believe in some of the things that are being taught, and we would know them not to be truth, but they just listen to it long enough. Keep listening, keep listening, and it becomes truth for them. Maybe you were raised in a home where certain things became truth to you. Well, nobody in our family's ever graduated high school, much less college. It just became truth. You just heard it and heard it, and you thought, yeah, we don't, we don't do college. We don't, we, don't, we don't excel in the workplace. All of that comes by what you think about and what you hear over and over and over. I've heard people say, I, I work for a company, and there's, it's interfaith, lots of different people. It's all Christian. But, you know, I've heard, heard things like this. You know, nobody ever gets healed in my church. It's amazing that you would say that you've been healed or this person would share a testimony of being healed. We, we don't have healings in our church. And here's what I think. It's just not taught there. God's ready to do it. It's not that he's holding back. He's ready. Somebody just has to teach it. We have to hear it and hear it. We believe what we hear over and over and over. You're in charge of that in your own life. What do you want to believe? What do you want to believe? What if God, and, and here we saw that in Isaiah 50 thought, 55, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and yours aren't mine. Mine are higher than yours. But he doesn't say this, so, hmm. He says, so, here's how you can have my thoughts. Take them. I give you a whole book of them. They're filled with life. I give you life-giving words. You take them and speak them over your life and your situation. Okay, so let's look at 2 Corinthians 10. We're, we're talking about, uh, it's actually 10, 3 through 5 that I'm going to read. Talking about the spiritual battle. Um, again, many, maybe you've been in churches and they really don't talk about the devil. He's real. Whether we want to talk about him or not, he's real. And so it, it would behoove us to find out what scripture says about him. We don't want to be afraid of the enemy, but we don't want to be ignorant either. We want to make sure that we're armed and ready for a, a battle that we are guaranteed to win. How does that sound? One that we're guaranteed to win. Second Corinthians 10, three through four. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So we do wage war, but in a different way. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Well, let's stop and think about that. So we live in the world and we don't wage war as the world does. What do they do? If something isn't going their way, they begin to, they're telling everybody at work about it. Blah, 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 blah. So how do they wage war? They gossip. They complain. Is it a, a war they're going to win? It gets worse and worse and worse fighting that battle. Um, so it's really self-destructive. But that's all that they know. You know, if you haven't been taught differently, you just complain about things and you think, well, if I get two or three of my work cohorts on my side about this, where policy is concerned, then surely that can change things. They just wage in a fleshly way, trying to figure it out on their own. But here in Scripture we see we don't fight with those weapons, cursing, this blasted job, it's far below my efforts and far below my talents. That's cursing your job, and you don't have another one yet. So you better just speak life over it, and you can believe God for something new. But we want to make sure that we're not warring with fleshly weapons. 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought? talking to you about the mind-mouth connection. If you are, again, as we've been talking about the power of your words, if you sense some things, and you might even say something like, I feel so condemned about all that I've learned in the last few weeks. My mouth is, you know, I'm always talking negative. Well, first of all, you're not condemned because if you're a Christian, then you're following the Lord and there's no condemnation in him. He's only wanting to bring change. So there's no condemnation. There might be some conviction convincing you of change that needs to take place in your life. That's what we see here. We demolish, you and I demolish arguments. Every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, like, what would those be, those thoughts? We're never going to make it. I'll always be sick. This illness runs in my family. It's genetic. Those kinds of things are arguments They're things that we want to tear down on our lives and we want to, in place of that, build up the life and truth of God in his word. You have the power to change whatever needs to be changed in your life today. We should all be dancing around the room hearing that, right? The fact that we can change what needs to be changed in our life Now, it might not change overnight. Maybe God's got to do some maneuvering to get you in the right place at the right time. Maybe he's setting things up for you for a breakthrough. It might take some time, but that's all right. What would have changed without you knowing about this truth? Nothing. He has good things for us. Mind-mouth connection. I want you to look at Hebrews 11.1. We're going to finish up with this. This is in the Amplified Classic Bible. I mentioned last week I read out of this version sometimes um, because it goes back to the original Greek and it lets us know what the writer's original intent was as they were um, stirred by the Holy Spirit inspired to write these words. If you were to come up to me today and say, I saw your car in the parking lot. And, um, you know, I'm just not sure that that's your car. I I saw someone else with one like it, and, you know, now you're driving it. Not sure that's yours. I would be able to show you the title deed. My car's paid for. I'd be able to show you the title deed to that vehicle. There would be no argument. It's a legal document, right? A title deed is a legal document. With that in mind, let's read Hebrews 11.1. Today in our class, John was talking about the class he was in. I was in Alex's class today in this room, and he was talking about the importance of faith. And as he was speaking, I remember a a thought came to my mind. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to please God. Let's turn that around. With faith, there's every possibility you're going to please him. This is all about faith, Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the assurance the confirmation, the title deed of things we do not see. The conviction of the reality, faith perceiving as a real fact what is not revealed to the senses. How can you be sure? When you're asking God about things and you're praying about something or there's a desire in your heart that pops up, oftentimes people will wrestle with that. Well, I'm not sure God wants me to have that. I'm not sure he wants me to have this or he wants me to have that. One thing I would say is, well, do you love him? Are you following him? 
But still, let's say that you're still not convinced. I know, Gwen, but this is really big and I need an assurance in my heart. How are you sure? Go back to what the Bible says about that thing. I, I said something a little earlier about, um, about blessing and how God wants good things for you. We read um, back in the early part of the year, John spent some time in Deuteronomy, is it 14 or 21? Yeah, both of them. So it talks about how under the blessing, God says, this is what belongs to you under the blessing. All lined out in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. And he gives just this contingency. If you'll follow me, if you'll just obey and do what I want for you, which is always good. I mean, we have a smoking deal. So if you'll just do what I've lined out for you, all these blessings will come and overtake you. I don't know if it's a message version or the Gwen Miller version that says, chase you down. The blessings of the Lord will come and overtake you as you follow obedience to me. So if you're wondering, does God want this or that for me? I understand needing to be sure, but oftentimes he's the one that placed that desire there. Now, I didn't plan to say that. I was going to stick with this right here. So let's go back here. How can you be sure that God wants something for you? How do you get that sense of surety? Let's take, for example, that um, you have a family member who has been living like a hellion. They are doing everything against God. They're off in the wrong direction. Everything's just crazy in their life. And you've watched it for years. They've built up a little bit of a resume in your mind of all the stuff that they're actually capable of. And you're wanting them to come to know the Lord. And yet you don't have an assurance in your heart. You're like, Lord, they've been devil worshipers whatever. Look at their stream of disobedience and all of that. How would you be sure that God actually wanted them well. You wanted them to be saved. If you were raised in some churches, you would say, we don't really know until we die. Did you know there are churches that say, you know, you just do the best you can. And when you die, you hope you land in heaven. (laughs) What a horrible way to live. So how would we have the assurance? We want a title deed. We want a legal something that would tell us, I'm believing for my children. But why? Because sometimes we get so discouraged. Maybe they've hurt our feelings, robbed from us, taken our money, abused us. And so how do we believe for them? We go to the scripture and we say, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We take his word. That's the title deed. I get my title deed out and I find what is there in the spirit realm. We're talking about fighting spiritual battles today which are really natural battles too. But we find that title deed. Let's look back at Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance. Say assurance. How can you be sure about the things that you're believing for in your life? How can you be sure that things are going to change? You find out what he says about your money. You find out what he says about your children. Now, faith is the assurance. It is the confirmation. It's the title deed of things. Faith brings about change in things and reality and the world that we live in. We're leaving way too much on the table as Christians oftentimes because we don't expand our level of thinking. The mind-mouth connection, there is such a benefit and renewing our mind. Let me ask you this. The next couple of times that you, you could do this tonight when you're about to go to sleep, you're, you're laying down at the end of the night. 
What are the last thoughts of your day? Last thoughts of your day. Just about to go to sleep. I want you to be aware of those because that's what your mind is thinking on. Your subconscious mind never, never sleeps. So that will continue to roll over in your thinking. Don't let the last thing you think about be anything other than victory and God making a difference and a change in and through you. What about the first thing in the morning? What's the first thing before you put your feet on the ground? What happens in your mind? You see, we want to look at those things, and and that's what we're thinking about probably 95% of the day. Those things that first pop in our mind in the morning, they're the last things we think about at night. You and I are looking at our thoughts. We're going to analyze our thoughts. We're going to make our thoughts agreeable to his will, and we're going to make our words agreeable to his will, and then our lives will change and prosper and succeed. I want to do something right quick with Hebrews 11.1 1 on, um, on the screen for you today. <clears throat> I want to show you something that you can do anytime you're reading your Bible. We're going to do a declaration The word declare means to say something in a solemn, emphatic manner. To say something in a serious way. You can have a a smile on your face, right? And say something that is emphatic. It's just based on what you believe. So we're going to do, you often hear this at this church. If you've been at this church very long, you hear it sometimes from our worship leader with Lisa saying it. John talks about it often, about how we declare his word out our mouths. We're not declaring how we feel. Do you understand that? We're getting the title deed. I may not feel like I own that car out there. It doesn't make it any different. It's mine. I paid for it. I might not feel any different. I might not want to own that car. You know, there's all things we could get into, but we're looking for ways to base our words on truth. So I want to look at Hebrews 11.1, and I want to talk to you just for a second and want you to think about this as you read your Bible throughout the week. As you're studying God's Word, you might think, you know, Gwen, I haven't read my Bible in I don't know how many months. Where do I start? You could start with the Hebrews 11 just this week. You can just go home and and look through there. What are you looking for? You can read it first, but you're looking for things to say. You're looking for things to pray because we're putting his words in our mouth. Let's look at Hebrews 11.1. No, I I don't have that written down. I'm leading you off course. It's the the Isaiah 55 passage I want to read and declare. Let's go back to Isaiah 55. It says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So if I'm reading that at home, I might just stop for a minute and say, Lord, this says your words are different than mine. Your thoughts, actually, are different than mine. I know it's important that I think the way you think about things. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Today, I want to think like you think about my kids. I want to think like you think about my boss. You see how you change that? You're speaking something based on his word. Ah, This makes your Bible reading so fun. You're merging Bible and prayer and also declaring his word, establishing what is true. That's what a judge does. I declare you innocent. He makes a declaration, and that's the way it is. We're declaring God's word in our lives. Say amen. Let's look at verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. If I'm reading that at home, I want to stop and say, Lord, 
you think bigger than me. It's amazing how you think. I'm so grateful. I want to think higher. I want to think higher about my situation. Lord, I I, I come from poverty. I don't have a family member that's ever paid their house off. I want to think like you. You want me to be, you want me to actually pay my debts, all of them. You want me to live in a debt-free house. I thank you for that. You see, you, would you have been able to think about that on your own? Would you have gotten up first thing in the morning? Man, I'm excited. We're paying this house off. Mm-hmm. But you go to his word and you start trying to think his thoughts and look into his word and declare that. Verse 10, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. Well, that doesn't ever happen. It's a law. If the rain comes down, it nourishes, it flourishes. It's a law. We're looking at spiritual law here. Lord, I realize this is just the way things work with your word. There is power in your word. I stop. And I talk about that a little bit to him. It's amazing to me to think, Lord, that your word actually brings forth fruit and brings change every time. That's what this said. It says, just as the rain and snow come down, it gives us a natural example. That's how my word is. It says, verse 11, so is my word that goes forth out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. So Lord, I thank you that whatever I say based on your word today, I can be sure it comes to pass. Lord, I don't have to see it to believe it. Do you see how that works? I'm declaring what I see in scripture. This is available to any of you who want to live in victory starting Monday through Saturday. I'm telling you, when we live like this, ladies and gentlemen, we will come to church on Sunday and it'll just be like there's a vibration room. When we bring all of our faith together, and I'm not saying that everybody in the room was gonna have everything worked out in their lives. We understand that, don't we? Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. Not when it all works out. He did not say that. Be of good cheer. Wait till it all works out. I'll show you. Then you can be of good cheer. No, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I want you to stand to your feet. What can you say before we leave today? Let's practice. It always feels good in here. But you get in your car on Monday morning. It's flatter and a flitter oftentimes. But it doesn't matter. The word's still true. No matter how you feel, no matter what the weather's like, his word is truth and you can say it out your mouth and the power's there anyway. Wow, it's amazing. I want you as you stand there right, right now to go back to that one thing that you thought about at the beginning when I started speaking. What's that one thing you just wish... Um, in the natural, you wished and thought, I, I wanted to change. Things don't change by wishing. And so maybe you've just thought about, Lord, what, I'd like this to change in my life. This has been, uh, maybe you've prayed the problem. You've laid it all out. Lord, this, this, you've done all of that. What can you say to bring change? What can you declare over that situation? Maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's a, a healing in your body. What do you know? You don't have to know one, one scripture verse. What do you know? By his stripes, I was healed. So whatever it is today, I want you to bring that to him and give you a minute to, to formulate your words and say, Lord, I believe you. I believe you for change. I believe what I heard based on scripture today, that as I put your word in my mouth and release it, change will come.
I'm going to give you a chance right there where you stand to meet God and you pray personally. All right, now as I pray, you pray aloud and declare those things in your life. Lord, I thank you. I agree with my brothers and sisters today on the basis of your word, that your word produces change. It brings about that change that we desire when we pray. If we believe with our mouths, if we believe with our hearts, your word says, and we confess with our mouth, salvation comes, or we could say change comes. It's the way everything in the kingdom works. We believe with our mouth. We, decla- we, excuse me, we declare with our mouth. We believe in our hearts. Lord, we just line our thinking up today. Lord, I ask you this week that you would just alert us. If it's when we lay our heads down at night, when we wake up in the morning, that you would alert us to wrong thinking. Maybe we've become so accustomed to that. Lord, we repent We repent. That means we turn around, make a change. We repent of wrong thinking, and instead we embrace your thoughts, your ways over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Announcements are women. Last Saturday of August, there's a a meeting that's going to happen. I don't know the details, just stay tuned. The second announcement is our church is going to go to Honduras. There's a team of uh, people that are already signed up and going. We're about $300 in need of help. If you cannot go or you'd like to go, but you just are busy at this time and you're going to go some other time, why don't you plant a seed and put $300 or if you have more, I'm sure that they can find a need for that. But if you would, just write out a check on the way out. The ushers will stand in the back. Uh, and, and that'll meet that need on the way out. We're blessed to be. Amen. You're dismissed. Go get them, guys.